created live on Fireside. Hi, Julie. Hi, hi, Hi. welcome everyone to YNS Live. I am so, I I mean, I say this every time, but I am truly excited when I interview (laughs) someone that has followed a passion. But when this story, I started hearing and it started unfolding, I knew I had to have Ellen Bradley on the show. Hi, Ellen, how are you? Hi, Juliet, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. love from Costa Rica. (laughs) Yes. I mean, guys, look at her background and wait until you hear this story. Just wanted to say, I mean, Ellen, thank you for joining YNS Live on Fireside. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm so grateful to be here and just share. Yes. Okay. So I want to start back. (laughs) Okay. So I want to start like where you grew up and then guys, just wait until you hear the story, wait until you hear the story. But so where you kind of grew up, just give us a little bit of insight And then, you know, how you met your husband. And then we're going to get into, you know, how this whole amazing journey of yours has, you know, evolved. I mean, yeah, short and sweet. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, Northern Kentucky. I was one of three kids in my family. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad, you know, a physician. And we had, you know, a beautiful Midwestern life. I went on to kind of break out of the Midwest and followed my brother to Villanova University where I played tennis. And the final year at Villanova, I actually met my husband, Michael, who had just transferred from the University of Kentucky, which is kind of funny because I was the only Kentucky girl. (laughs) And um, we started dating at the end of my senior year. He went on to get drafted by the Toronto Raptors into the NBA. And... um, yeah, from there began an incredible journey um, of being moved around, traded, living in lots of fantastic cities, eventually ending up in Europe, where we lived in Germany and Spain and Lithuania. Um, so from there, we went on to have three kids. And that is where life changes us, right? <laughs> we have our kitties <laughs> that are the greatest teachers in the world. Um, yes. I have to say, though, I think we're all born with a spirit. And I definitely my mom reminds me often that I came in fast and furious with a little fire and wanting to break boundaries. And I guess that's where I am now. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I love that. Okay, so and I love that you went to Villanova. So I have so many friends we have to afterwards, we have to kind of ah. chat because I want to see who I know Villanova is huge. But when you play sports, it gets a little smaller. And I knew so many people. Totally. And actually, two of my best friends went to Rosemont, which is the sister school. Wow. Yes. And so small I, world. <laughs> such, a, such a small world. Costa Rica, New York, and we're talking about Villanova. And I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So in on the Jersey side. Wow. But so Villanova, you know, is, is always, a, it's an amazing, amazing place. So I would love to see, hear a little bit about, because I want my listeners, they know that we talk about yeah. journeys. They, they know also about my my episodes that I have with the NFL spouses. And I just learned mm. because as they know, I love to learn as stories unfold that you were an NBA wife, right? So you guys were married when Michael was in the NBA or were you guys dating? Yeah, no, um, he was drafted. And then we married the year after he was drafted so that, you know, my Midwest values, I wasn't going to move to Toronto until we were married. <laughs> right. And Yeah, it was a really fantastic experience, actually. I I think even at that young age, I realized, Michael and I both, that there is a reason that you're given platforms in life and that if you can really harness those to make the world better in any way, um, you know, because any pro sports league, it's very contrasting. You know, there's a lot 
people are young and they're given a lot very young and you can fall into that wanting more and more and more and valuing the dollar. Um, but early on, Michael and I committed that we wanted to use this platform, however long it was in his career, to just give back and to really connect with people on a human level. I love that. I love that. So, right. I mean, yeah. so it's such a different world. And how long was he in the league and you guys, you know, so were in Toronto? he played pro ball for eight years, six years in the league. We were in Toronto, which was is still our favorite city in the NBA um, for three years. And then he was just kind of, you know, bounced around and traded Philadelphia. My oldest daughter was right. born there. Orlando, Sacramento, Atlanta for a small stint. Um, so it was fun. I mean, he played when we didn't have three babies in tow too, right? So right. it's a lot different when it's when it's that way. And so I know, you know, it's it's just something so interesting when I, as I said, I have a, a show that I speak with NFL spouses and we talk about the journey and the, you know, going and getting traded and having to pick up and especially as the spouse having to kind of like, if you have your roots and you have your stuff there being like, okay, I just fell in love with this, with this boy, right? I didn't know that this, this was going to yeah. be our journey. And, and you have to wrap your hands and you kind of lose. I know from talking to so many of the women, you lose yourself. So I, do you think, when you guys moved mm. around, is that kind of when you got the bug of like, I like this kind of, or did you not love it back then? I loved it. I think I've always, well, I have always been a free spirit. I traveled abroad in college and I went to a country, Chile, where nobody went. Like everybody would go to Spain to learn Spanish. So I think it was, it's always been in me that like excitement to do something new. I will say that, you know, I don't feel like I actually, it's funny enough now that I'm reflecting on, I actually think it's when I found myself more being with Michael, because that's when I found yoga too. So that's when I began to connect to yoga in every city. That's when I really dove into every time we were traded, I would want, I'd go to the community outreach director to do charity work and to bring kids to games and to do Christmases. So like I really started, I think, finding myself more because I had these beautiful opportunities to link in and connect in a deeper way and to help people. Right. Oh, I love how you said that. And so that's, mm. now, did your parents, were they into charities? Like, were you brought up as like, you guys always did that? Or is that something that you think is just innate in you? For sure. I mean, my father, who was a physician, always had his practice in the inner city and we would do the secret Santas for families. So it wasn't like all the time, but it was definitely um, a thread to know that, you know, you're blessed. And, you know, when you are blessed, you have the opportunity to give back and you should. I do believe that. Um, right. It's just not about you, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. And we see that more and more, right, with this world that we need not mm -hmm. to be just about us. So I love that you gave us that insight. And I think it's just also so wonderful that we were connected and that you had that, you know, that spouse of the NBA where I'm doing NFL mm -hmm. people, you know, women, it's just, it's, it's such an, an interesting tie that that keeps coming back to me because it is like my kids watch sports. We're a big sports family and especially my boys and my husband. And, you know, they would always come and say, oh my gosh, this person got traded and this person got traded. And I always say on my shows mm -hmm. that I speak with the NFL spouses, I'm never going to look at it the same because some of the women had a really yeah. hard time, right? They became depressed because they were in a city that they didn't know. They were so young and they, you know, were taken away from family or whatever, but they loved this person and they wanted to support him. 
So um, I always say, I will never look at it the same. When someone gets traded, my mind directly now goes to the spouse and the family because moving around is not always easy, right? It's not always the glamour. It's not always, there's things like, I always say, finding the dentist and the doctor. Like there's things that you don't it's think true. about that you <laughs> have to do. And I love moving and I mean, I've done it, but it's always those last things where I'm like, ooh, I forgot to like reach out and see where the dentist is. And, you know, you always lag about that a little bit. So I love that we kind mm. of... Um, you know, we, we have that because there's things that you just don't think about, right? Especially when, you know, my kids played sports. So like the first thing I did was made sure I had that because I knew that that was important to them, that I knew that I knew where they were going to perform and play because I didn't want that to be like where we came in and I just didn't have that top of mind because I knew it was something that meant something to them. So, for sure. and then, you know, always thinking about it, right? When we were moving, I'm like, this is giving me anxiety. Let me cross this off my list. Even though we haven't moved yet, I'm going to figure that out so I can cross it off my list and not worry about it. But sometimes in the world of professional sports, you don't get that time. You don't get that time to kind of reflect, right? It's like you're, oh, the next day you're, oh, wait, yep. okay, we're moving. And you realize it's a business in any of those pro sports, you know, your your husband or your, you know, your boyfriend is a, a commodity, right? So they aren't thinking about that. And right. that's why they're paid what they are. But I think it's also like, I mean, I know like spirituality now threads through my life, but it really is the utmost practice of non-attachment yes. and to truly just be in flow. Um, yeah. And then that's where you see every place you land can become a home and it's through human connection that you feel at home. So I love how you just tied that in. So now we're going to bring it into mm. where you guys then started the yoga studios and where that, you know, when, where that yeah. part of your life. Yeah. I mean, so Michael, it was funny because, you know, life happens in its most unexpected ways. And Michael was dead set. Um, his agent said, Mark Bartelstein said, you're going to Charlotte, number 14 pick or something. It was like done. 14 pick comes and we're sitting there and he didn't get chosen. And so it went on. And on the 17th pick, Toronto Raptors chose Michael. And we were we looked at each other. We we're like, I mean, I had never even considered Canada. Really? <laughs> right. I didn't even know where Toronto was. And doesn't life happen in the most beautiful ways? Because it's in Toronto where I fell in love with the hot yoga studio that then went on to become its own brand. And um, Jess Robertson, a dear mentor still and a friend that actually now lives in Osara, Costa Rica, um, I brought moksha to the United States. So the very first moksha, it's now called Moto Yoga. They're really big in LA and New York, was in Northern Kentucky. And so we opened it the last year. Michael was playing on a whim, never with an intention to teach. We just wanted to bring yoga to our community. It wasn't really in the Midwest. Hot yoga definitely wasn't there. And I had no idea. Like we just, that was the first big step of just following your intuition. It was like, I just knew, fortunately, Michael um, completely supported it. But it was like, what are we doing? Opening next to Dunkin' Donuts in the dollar store in Northern Kentucky, where all my <laughs> high school friends thought it was like against the Catholic religion, you know? Right. So that was 14, <laughs> that was 14 years ago. Um, wow. that, that was the big first leap. And it's funny enough, Juli Juliet, I have to share this because this yoga studio opened one week after we arrived back from adopting our daughter, Kaya, who was eight months old from Ethiopia. And just shy of a month of our third daughter being born. So I birthed three babies in about two months. <laughs> and so and this is exactly at the time that Michael had retired. So he was like, whoa, three, now three babies, now right. yoga studios, and I'm out of the league. 
That is, wow. And I mean, that's also the transition for him to be out of the league, right? I mean, that's a whole other yeah. thing that we can talk oh. about. And I, yeah. I talk about that with my, the spouses and, you know, that can be something we can at another time, but that sure. is the fact that you, right. You had your yoga studio and then two, um, two babies. So I, and I don't yeah. think I shared this either. I have a sister that's adopted from Korea and it was right yeah. when I was born. So my parents did a private adopt in, adoption, and then I, I was born very shortly after. Um, my parents had a hard time having kids, and then they wow. – well, I'm sorry. They didn't have a hard time having kids. They had miscarriages, so then they got pregnant with me, but were already in the process of adopting my sister. And, um, and yeah, so that. that's another thing we can talk about. But so what also drew you to adopt? I would love to kind of touch um, on that as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I clearly know, like, when I traveled abroad to Chile, South America, um, I took a backpack trip on my own to Peru to mm -hmm. hike Machu Picchu. And honestly, Juliet, I had never seen poverty like that before. Um, and that's third world, but it doesn't even compare to Ethiopia, which changed my life even more. And right. I just felt one, like I actually wanted to leave Villanova and like just become like do volunteer work. And I had a very hard time re-immersing back into Villanova because I was like, I'm so blessed and these people are so poor. But at that moment, I clearly remember saying I felt called that I knew I would adopt um, internationally. I, I just knew it. I, you know, I always thought it would be from South America or Hispanic country. And I was only 19 then, but deep in my heart, I knew. <laughs> That's amazing. And so I love that. And then I love that you also then had your your other daughter um, because we mm -hmm. all know, I mean, kids do change you, as you said in the beginning of this, of this conversation, right? When you have your children, you think you know things, you think you believe things, and you think you know yourself. And I, I've shared this with my listeners before. I'm a confident person. I'm confident in, in many things. And I've had struggles. I'm dyslexic. So school was not always easy. I had to, you know, manage and find my way through a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I always played sports and always had a lot of friends. So always had the confidence there. Uh, I babysat my entire life. Like there, we had neighbors mm -hmm. that were born premature. I probably was 12 or 11, 12 or 13, around that age. And they came home after being months in the, you know, the NICU, the one little girl's wow. head fit in the, my palm of my hand and they had heart monitors. And the mom was like, we trust you. Your parents are home. We need you to babysit. Mm. So, and I was, it was natural. I was like, okay. I mean, I remember the one little mm. Alex's heart monitor going off and me being like, oh my gosh. And like, you know, poking at her and being like, okay, I'm going to hold this baby. It was just a very innate thing. And I knew deep down in my whole life, I could not wait to be a mother, right? I knew that mm -hmm. I just want, and when my son was born, I thought it was going to be like, oh, I've babysat. I know babies. I know this. <laughs> it was just going to be like, this is going to be cake. And it was so not, it was so different. And I had my first like insecure moment. I remember as a new mother and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, what, what's happening? I don't like this, but it was the not knowing and also being in charge of someone and being like, oh my gosh, I could actually mess this child up. You, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. You know, like, so you have those, those, those thoughts and those feelings. So can you take us through a little bit of that as you birthed this yoga studio, as you have a new adopted yeah. baby, I mean, eight months old. So she was young. Like my sister was three when she came. And so yeah, that was very, so, you know. I mean, the funny story of this is that I had had a miscarriage after our oldest was born, but I, it wasn't that I couldn't necessarily have children. I was just like, Michael was playing in Spain at the time. And I said, we should just fill out this application. Let's just apply and see what happens. Usually we're, we heard it takes years. Um, we chose Ethiopia because, you know, it's one of the poorest countries in the world. And there was a lot of kids that need to be adopted. 
So long in the short, Michael had signed in Lithuania. I wasn't there yet. And I literally got in the mail this photo of our daughter, Kaya. We had 24 hours to decide after reading her medical um, if we were going to accept her. Wow. Two hours later, I took a pregnancy test because I was feeling really bad. <laughs> so I had to call oh Michael God. and say, look, we have... <laughs> We need to decide. I'm pregnant. And we my mom, I remember my mom looking at me. She said, Ellen, you, you have to say no to that. You, you can't right. take two kids. You can't go from one to three. And I like, of course, that made me say yes, yes, yes. yes. And I'm like, you know, life doesn't give you more than you can handle. And what a beautiful gift. So that's why I was eight months pregnant when we flew to Addis Ababa, adopted Kaya, and had our world just really broken open by experiencing her homeland and how truly impoverished they are in Ethiopia. And it, it was really life-changing for me at that moment because now I now we were a multiracial family. Now I actually had a child of skin color. And now I didn't want my family to just be raised in Northern Kentucky that was predominantly Catholic and white. Um, right. But I wanted to show them that they were a part of the world and they were global citizens and not just living in Kentucky as American citizens. Um, and that diversity in all its forms, whether it's race or not, would be the greatest portal to their education. Um, so I felt that right away. Um, That's amazing. I, you know, I, I began kind of the shedding. I um, went right when I got back from Ethiopia, I, Michael had given me a, you know, a nice wedding ring. And I said, I, I can't. We, we somehow watched Blood Diamond on the way back. And I said... Oh. Oh we my have gosh, got, yes. I, I have to, sh this is like, you know, what we could do. So we directed that to help build an orphanage in her name. And I put a tattoo on my finger that Michael looked at me like, what did you just do? But I only say that because it was my first step to shedding and um, to letting go of things that I thought I, I should have. Um, you know, my mom, right. my mother said, my mom said to me, you've got to keep that ring for your girls. And I'm like, but I have three girls and they'll fight over it. I, and, right. it and it's just, right? Like it's just a diamond. Right. Um, so, but I knew like it was, Kaya's been, of course, all three girls, the greatest teachers in my life. But having a child born in another country of such creative spirit, because I'm more type A, like academic, this is what really has revolutionized my thought of what parenting is and what education is. I love so that. She's been an angel. Yeah. So now what, what are the ages of the girls now? Are you ready? 13, 14, 15. <laughs> Three teenagers in the house. <laughs> so I thought, because I have a 16, 14, and 12. Um, oh. and I thought, but no, you have a year. So my brother has kids a year apart. Um, and they're wow. young though, five, four, and uh, he's almost uh, two. But um, yeah, so you have three teenage girls and I grew up, there was five of us. And so, and then we were four girls and one boy and the boy was that my brother's the youngest. Um, and so it, it's very interesting. And I have to say, because I was not like a, uh, one of the teenagers that my, as my mom says, like I was not a, um, like a grumpy, like, eh, you know, my hormones didn't really, yeah. get, my, they didn't get in me until after really when I was pregnant is like when I realized like my, my hormones are a little bit like wonky, but I might, I had other sisters that, you know, <laughs> they were hormonal and teenage and like, you know, full on. And so yep. it is, it's so interesting that you have 13, 14 and 15. Uh, and uh, so now I want you to take, because this is, you know, all of your story is really, it gives me the chills. It just gives me like, just such amazement mm -hmm. and, and joy to hear what you guys have done. 
Um, and just, and I love all the pivots, like how amazing. Mm-hmm. So first of all, when, when, and I'm going to go back to as the baby. So when the baby came and you were pregnant, what, yeah. and, and you had, you know, a, a one-year-old, what was, cause I know my listeners are going to say like, what was like the hardest part really? What was the hardest part for you at that time? Um, you know, Juliet, I'm really not, I mean, it was just, I can go like, right. Like you get used to no sleeping. Like Michael and I didn't sleep for years. Right. Um, you know, and then one studio led to three studios within three years. We had the three, the three kids and three (laughs) yoga studios and 60 teachers, you know? So I think it's just the management of time. And I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. we hear this a lot. Parents say like, oh my God, I'm so like, there's no time. Like there's no time to get it all done. Like, I mean, I always felt so energized and alive, not depleted because I feel like my purpose was to open these studios and to be a mom. So like I was so on point with like, yes, I don't want to say that, but my heart, my spirit, like I was activating community. The studios were making a difference in the city of Cincinnati and still are. Um, I loved what I did, you know, hot yoga, yoga has transformed my life, but I think it was just more oh my gosh, time. Like there's so much to get done in 24 hours, right? Like that. Right. But I think you touched on something and this is what I've, and I really am am fascinated with it. And I truly believe this when you, we all have a purpose or a path, right? For sure. And whether you believe in God or the universe, not everyone finds it. Not everyone falls Mm -hmm. into it. Some people fall into it later in life. Some people fall into a younger world. But I truly believe when you are living that passion, that purpose out, life and I don't want to say is easier because I don't, I don't want to say it. That's like not the word I want to use, but when you're in flow and you're doing what you are meant, what God has meant for you to do, it is, it's a different perspective. And and so I say to people all the time, like if you're unsettled, if you're feeling unsettled, it's because you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. And yes, do we, do we have some days that we feel like, you know, everything is, you have a flat tire, this happened, this, you know, little things happen that you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's just give me a break. (laughs) Right. But it's truly because I feel that you're not in the God-given purpose that you were you were due. So you found that at the same sort mm-hmm. of time, which is just beautiful because then what you have created and what you like what God's plan for you is is really just been playing out. So for you mm-hmm. to have the studios, yes, it was chaotic. I'm sure you probably when you hit the bed, you were like, okay, I'm asleep. Now I'm awake because <laughs> the girls. Um, but it gave you that something to wake up to. And, and, you know, I knew I wanted to be a mom, right? I knew that. Um, but I can't say that every day was peaches and roses. It wasn't, you know, it was tough and it was hard at days, but I loved really getting in there. I was okay. Not going to an office because I really wanted to be home with the kids. But so you're doing all of these things at the same time. And it is right. You don't have that downtime to be like, okay, I'm going to sit in this. You're just going. Right. Yeah. Right. It's true. It's true. And it's that, you know, it's the, it's the wisdom of authentic power versus just ego power. I mean, when you're authentic with what your heart, right, your intuition says, you're fulfilled. You are energized for life. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, you get tired, but so that, I mean, you know, I did that for nine years. Um, And it's interesting, Juliet, because my intention every day, I would do hot yoga every day at, um, my morning routine to be, wake up at 3.30 or 4 every day has been for years, even before right. kids. But my intention of yoga, especially becoming a mom, was always to let go and to open my heart for years. Every yes. single morning, I'd look at myself in the mirrors like that was the intention. And I loved hot yoga because you drip, 
you breathe, you truly physically let go, you emotionally let go. But then you become this open vessel that wherever you're supposed to be guided, without a doubt, you listen that, to that intuition. I think this now reflecting has been the most powerful thing because it has been the ultimate practice. And now, you know, once we move forward about selling everything and going, it's the ultimate practice of letting go. Like that is a spiritual practice to find freedom in life. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay. So you were in Kentucky, but then you mentioned Cincinnati, Ohio. So. Um, so Northern Kentucky is right across oh, the river so from Cincinnati. Um, you know, the Cincinnati airport's actually <laughs> <Yes>. in Kentucky. <laughs> so the first studio opened in little Northern Kentucky. And then we uh, went across the river um, and opened two studios in Cincinnati. So we say Got the it. greater Cincinnati. Yeah. So that, okay, that makes sense. And obviously I'm, my history is a little. Yeah, little, no, it's good. <laughs> so you decided, now let's go into this journey because this is what just is just beyond you decide one day, you're like, okay. And as you said, you already spoke about it. You you had your yeah. wedding ring and you're like, no, you know what? I want, I'm going to start shedding, right? I'm going to start yeah. shedding. And you kind of just innately were doing it. And the girls were how old at this, at this time? So they were still babies. But I have to say, you know, like, especially to all the listeners too, look, I consume. Like, it wasn't like I was just shedding, shedding, but it was like, right. that was the first big, like, you know, I still did go and we get caught up in accumulating. And I think that's the thing from early on, um, I would look around our place and I'd be like, Michael, one day I just want to sell all this and take a backpack around the world. One day I just want to take all, sell all this. And literally I went on to say this from when they were babies until we did it. And he would look at me like, you are so crazy. <laughs> like, I'm not going with you. What are you talking about? I'm like, I'm just going to take a backpack around the world. We need to do it someday. So, um, right. you know, it was a practice that went on. It was that intention truly to really see it one day. And Finally, Juliet, when they were eight, nine, and 10, um, just five years ago, you know, Michael was in transition. He had college coach. He didn't know if it was what he wanted to do. Um, a dear mentor of him, actually Jay Wright, who had just won the championship for Villanova, just a really incredible mentor for Michael. Michael was kind of in transition and he called Jay and he's like, you know, I don't know what to do. I, he knew that he could be a great college coach, but he also wanted to be a dad to his girls. And Jay right. just said, you know, Mike, if you don't need to get into this, you have such an amazing family. Don't. You can do so many other things. And I really feel like he was an earth angel at that time to Michael because we had a conversation. I looked at him and I'm like, let's sell it all and go. We had just redone our, my parents. We had bought this, you know, our suburban home. We grew up in this big sprawling home and we had redone it. And it was beautiful. We gathered community. and But I just knew I didn't want my girls to just be raised in this isolated neighborhood, running around in a car from activities. Um, at that point, I was homeschooling because I was trying to keep our family together as Michael was college coaching that year. Um, and he's like, well, how are we going to do that? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just call the realtor, put a sign in the yard. He's like, what about all this stuff? Three, you know, three floors of stuff. That holds a lot of people back. People are like, right. what am I going to do with the stuff? And I'm like, I have no idea. We'll have a yard sale, which wasn't allowed in our neighborhood, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> So truly, like, um, I, I called my mom and my mom's, you know, she was just silent. And she's like, well, that home's never going to sell. You put so much into it, Ellen. You better not plan on traveling for at least a year or two. You better get your head on straight, too, because your girls need their rooms and they have their activities. Right. And I'm like, nope. Like a mom says sometimes. Truly. Right? 
So it, this is crazy. A Reiki um, healer, a dear friend of mine that we have been doing like energy healing with the girls since they've been little, like just like giving them massages monthly, they would get energy healing, balancing. Yes. Um, Julie came over to the house and she saw the yard in the sign. I was like, Julie, nobody knows. She's like, oh my gosh, what are, you're doing it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I have the perfect person. Somebody's looking for the house. Long and the short, her friend within two days bought our house. Oh my, I, our, oh my yeah, gosh. Our, no, no, truly. Then... I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? It was crazy for a month, but we literally had an open house sale, Juliet, invited everybody. And this is, this is so beautiful. I tell you, everybody that came, and there must have been 400 people that came through. Most were from the studios just to say goodbye and thank us. But it wasn't about the stuff that people bought, but it was about the memory. Like one of my yo- longstanding yoga teachers, this older man came up and he bought a spoon. He came up to me and he's like, Ellen, I don't need this. <laughs> He's like, but every time I make my morning coffee, oh. I'm going to think about how the community of Modo has changed my life and what you have done. And that happened several times. And it That's made amazing. me realize that it's not about the stuff. You know, I, I said to a dear friend, she was crying. She's like, how are you sewing all this? And I'm like, it's not the stuff that holds memories. It clutters our mind. The greatest memories are in our heart. Like this stuff doesn't mean anything. Yes. Even the heirlooms are beautiful, Juliet. But really, do, do my kids want a whole box full of heirlooms filled with dust? I knew that I wanted to pass on to them Lonely Planet books that were well-traveled and stained with coffee and mud <laughs> and a lifetime of memories, <laughs> not a house full of stuff. You know, like we know right. that's not what it's about. So Within two months of me looking at Michael to say, let's do this, we were on a plane with one backpack each on a one-way ticket to Fiji with no plan, just a one-way ticket. That's It was crazy. No, we looked, I I was like, I almost felt like I was living out of my body. I'm like, what is happening? What just happened and where are we going? (laughs) But yet it felt so good. I felt like my wings were just, I just felt like we were being held. Yeah. So with the, and I know, I know this part, but with the yoga studios, you kept them and you just had people manage them. Is that correct? We did. And you know, that was, that was a great lesson as just being a leader and an entrepreneur because it was yes. the hardest thing. I mean, I was really, we were at the top. I, I feel like I was kind of at the pinnacle of being a teacher and teaching a lot and leading. And I was just, I was in it. Like I was in my flow and a really high point of what I love doing. And it was it was so hard. It was the hardest thing to step away from it because I didn't want to, but I knew right. I had to let go in order to grow. And I knew, you know, that work-life balance. I knew that I only had so long with the girls. And so what, what do you do? I, right. I do believe now I realize great leaders make great la- leaders when they let go and they trust. And what we did right. was we trusted in our managers. We full on just left it for them. I didn't really even check in because I knew that that would just keep me tethered. And the studio soared. When we came back after a year, they were better than ever. And it, like, it just made me smile. I'm like, yeah, because it's this incredible community that's held by people who care. Who care. And you know, one thing my husband always says, because as I said to you, I said, I am, but this is, we, we were talking in the green room and I am not an envious, I'm not a jealous person. Like I'm happy when people do things. Like I love hearing stories yeah. and learning, <laughs> but I have to say, I'm envious of your story because it's something that I always, like my husband will always know, I love adventure. I love new things. I get a little antsy and I'm like, oh, it's what's next? What's next? Not that I'm not enjoying what I'm doing now, but I just love that kind of chaotic, um, chaotic, like just adventure. Like I love yes. like traveling and doing all that. And he would always say, there was times where we we did move and he would say, okay, we're not running. Like you never run from something. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're running totally. away from something, it's going to follow you. And it's just going to happen in the next place. You have sure. to be running to something. And that's what you mm-hmm. guys did. You had a beautiful life, but you wanted yeah. something more. And so you went to an opportunity instead of running from an opportunity. So I think that's really important for listeners to listen to this and hear, wait a second, I love what she did. I don't really love what I'm doing right now or I'm not like you have to get yourself straight before you go and do something like this. And so I think it's 100%. beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, and I that's exactly yeah, you're exactly right because people looked at us like you guys why? Like you right. have it all going. Like what and it's like no because honestly, Julia, like I wanted my girls to know how to find the discomfort in the comfort. I wanted right. them to face every fear and learn courage and confidence through the world. Yes. And um, recognize too, financially, like, you know, just financially that we're so blessed. I mean, you say it, you know, we say our nighttime prayers and like, but like not until you experience it and you see the world and how others live, do you really start to cultivate empathy and understanding and compassion? And this, I mean, it gets me teary-eyed, but I'm like, I knew this is what I wanted to do for them, but not until we've now explored the world for almost three years, do we just feel so much a part of it in the craziest of situations. Like, because our journey too, Juliet, like people are like, well, how'd you plan? Somebody actually asked me, did you use a a travel agent? (laughs) And I'm like, a travel agent? (laughs) It's, you know, where'd you stay? And it's like, no, we didn't stay in nice hotels. And like the the heart of our journey was about connecting to human beings and to doing homestays and to staying on the rice farm in the jungles of Northern Thailand with no electric to living right. with the Berber tribe and learning how to rock the hijabs in the Atlas Mountains and feeling kind of scared too. Um, so this is what it was about. It was like diving into the craziest, the scariest places and then feeling like all is well. We're all so much more alike than different. Right. Oh my gosh. Ugh. I love that. Oh my gosh. It just makes me so, it, like your story makes me happy and also makes me think that there are people out there that are doing it. And and this is why I love this platform and Fireside that we're mm. able to share the story because your story is a beautiful, um, just a beautiful, I mean, story about a journey, but also, as yeah. you said, the human connection and doing yeah. things that are out of your comfort zone, because it is so important. If you live in your comfort zone all the time, you don't grow. And when you are out of your sure. comfort zone, whether, you know, I mean, there's people out there like, well, I couldn't do that because of X, Y, and Z. Totally understandable. I'm, we're not saying go do mm-hmm. this if it's not meant for you. Because again, this was your journey. This is your path. This yep. was your God-given path that you and your family were supposed to do. And so that's why it flowed, right? I mean, of course, you, I'm sure you ran into different things as you traveled, right? It wasn't always <laughs> easy. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Plenty of family conflicts. <laughs> right? <laughs> Plenty of times my husband's like, I'm done. I'm going home. And I'm like, we don't have a home. Like, where are you going? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're not going anywhere because we're here together. No, right. But that's the thing. And that's the beauty of it. And so I think, and what a gift to give your girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, what Julie, a special- I, I mean, Juliet, it's really what I realize is truly learning is about the human experience, like the sensorial world of smelling, of seeing, of touching, of talking with people. And I didn't realize it until we came back after the first year that people looked at the girls and they're like, they're so awake. You know, they were nine, 10, 11 then, but they were awake. They could look at you in the eye. They could communicate. And it's like, I wasn't even parenting. That's the funny thing. It took all the pressure off of me. We try so hard sometimes, right? We're reading the books. Like we're like, 
But like instead, I just let go and provided them the opportunity and walked hand in hand with them through the world and let them become alive and awake and to see right. for themselves and to learn through that for themselves. Don't, you know, not this pressure to memorize or anything else. It was, there was so many gifts that I just never anticipated discovering. Right. Um, well, name, name one, one, because I think you just had one in your head as you looked up. I felt like something came to you that was just like a memory. Well, I think one of the biggest, well, I just, one of the biggest life lessons that I realized just because again, I, I was raised structured and I was very academic and school oriented, which I'm grateful for. Like Villanova truly ignited change in me, but like I also realized now it's a new world right. and that it's about the collective now. And that what I learned is that every single person that you meet in this life, it could be the tuk-tuk driver in Sri Lanka for three minutes. It could be the guy that took us for five days hiking in the Atlas Mountains. Every person, it doesn't matter who, whether you have a platform or not, you do have a platform because we're all teachers to one another. The girls learn through everybody. And what you realize is you don't know what spark is going to ignite in the girls by who they meet. And so that's what like gives me like just, it's so heartwarming because if we started to look at life like this, it's not about having the means to travel across the world. World school could actually be in your backyard by going to maybe a new church or a new restaurant or a new neighborhood to explore and actually having connection and talk to people. You know, instead we build boundaries because they're different. And, you know, I like to share my story, not just for people to be like, oh, well, it must be nice that you can travel. It's like, no, it's not about mm -hmm. that. If we could start to shift our lens on what living is, this would create community and unity and understanding. Um, and I, we have just had the portal of the world to use for this, but it's all around us. So I, I just, I literally almost just like broke down and cried <laughs> because I, and my listeners that listen to me regularly are like, oh my gosh, we, by the way, never talked about this. Anyone listening, Ellen and I did not talk about no. this. I say to everyone, and this is one of the things that I was given, I believe by like my, my mom and grandmother, um, but I've taught my kids that every single person has a story. And this is what I said. Uh, I've said that I can't even tell you how many times I've said this, that we can learn from every single person we meet. We just have to listen. I think I have quotes mm. all through my social media about this, whether they're the CEO or the guy that collects your garbage, someone, every single person, and you just have to open your mind and listen and be like, and, and be curious curious, ask those questions. Yep. And that's I've done with my kids. I laugh because when we lived in Brooklyn and when we lived in the city, um, I would have friends that'd be like, how do you know them? How do you know that person? And I'm like, what do you mean? I knew every single person on every corner. We knew every shopkeeper. My kids would ask the questions. They would, you know, they would, I mean, I think there was a couple of times we had them over for Thanksgiving because they couldn't, you know, their family wasn't there. And we're like, oh my God, come in. I live that way. I've always lived that mm. way. My mom said that was something that was very innate in me. I would always ask the stranger questions. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to learn and hear other people's stories. That's that. why when I started this podcast, mm. I and I did it as a passion project, right? It was something that I was like, oh, this is curious. And then I all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, this is my God-given purpose. This is what God Truly. put me on earth to do. And just because I didn't find it until 47 years later, it doesn't matter. I have so much so more true. to live and so much more to give. And what you just said is I want everyone to listen to that, replay it if you're listening to the replay mm. wherever you are, because that's what's, what's going to change the world. We all can listen from each other. And if we all just respect, we don't have to, we don't have to agree. 
right? right? We don't have to agree, but just respect what your neighbor is saying and feeling and doing. It's true. It's listening is, I think, the the bridge, the portal to empathy and even self reflection. Um, yes, it, and I I, yeah. I I should say not when I'm when I just said that. Like, no, if your neighbor is a murderer, <laughs> don't respect. <laughs> and do, but if they're a good person, is what I mean. But like everyone has, and so many people. I remember mm-hmm. the time where I think it was when our kids were growing up. You know, I have sixteen, fourteen, and twelve, and it was like the danger, like the uh, stranger danger. And mm. I used to get so angry. And I, the teachers would be like, well, I know there's kidnapping. And I'm like, no, I don't want my kids to be scared to talk to people. And you could always see this kid that was like, oh, I can't talk to you because you're a stranger. And I would be like, that's so sad. And I really, when that whole movement came is what I really think hurt society. Yes, it protected some, but it hurt the majority because it was like, no, I can't talk to you because you're, I don't know you. And my parents say, I can't talk to you. And it's a stranger danger. If you think about it, right. I mean, when we were growing up, it was like, okay, if if someone (laughs) tried to lure you to their truck and I'm not making fun of this, so I don't want anyone to think that, but if someone tried to lure you to the truck with the puppy or the candy, don't go in the truck, right? Like you don't do that. Like that's what (laughs) we were taught. But when our kids were growing up, it was like, don't even talk or make eye contact to anyone that you don't know because they could steal you. And so in school, when, when my kids would come home and they'd be like, we learned stranger danger. And I would always be like, guys, I, like that's, that's protecting a different, like it is protecting someone. And so I'm not knocking it sure. in any way. However, we, like, if you're with me and we're out talking to people, you talk to people, you make eye contact people at whole foods. I have to say, like we, they used to come to my kids' soccer games. Like I would have friends in the neighborhood. I mean, in my town, they'd be like, isn't that the guy that works in the produce? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's Jimmy. He comes to our soccer games because my kids connected with him and learned about him. He lived in Haiti. Marie, who worked at the, you know, at the checkout, I learned that she lost a baby girl. Like I met her and she didn't, wasn't pregnant anymore. And I said to her, Marie, I, I don't, I feel like you weren't that far along and I'm sorry that I'm even asking this and I hope you're not uncomfortable, but did something happen? And she broke down and said, yes, I, wow. I fell on something and I lost my, she's like, no one's even acknowledged it. Thank you for acknowledging it. And that's what's important. And I'm not saying that I'm better than someone because I do these things. No, but right. we need to teach it. And so I love like literally the connection so that you true. and I just made right there. I like, love that. Right. I mean, it's, it's so important. It's everything. It really is because we all have different platforms in this life. But if we can just see the sameness in one another instead of always the differences, because the differences is what creates walls and boundaries. And, you know, it's that that wisdom of just being vulnerable to recognize we're just all human beings or spiritual beings, actually having this crazy human experience. Like we're all trying to do the best we can. And the more that we share and learn from one another, we'll just continue to grow. Um, But a a thought came up when you were talking about that with the the parenting. I have to share um, when we were in Malaysia, somebody recommended that we go to Brunei, which is one of the tiniest countries in the world. Um, And then all these other people were like, do not go to Brunei. There's nothing in Brunei. So of course we went to Brunei. And there is nothing there. There's a few big mosques, and but there's this water village. And we went across to the water village. It's one of the oldest water villages in the world. And we saw all these kids like on these pipes way up high, running across them, jumping off, diving into this water where the toilets go into the water. But as a mom, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to slip and crack their head open. Like, what are they doing? They better slow down, right? Like, that's our, you know, the worry and the be careful. Um, Right. which I learned to let go of all the be carefuls on this journey. 
But I walked it. We will continue walking. The girls started playing with them. And I saw the parents and the, or the moms were there actually. And they were so carefree, so carefree. First, they asked where we from. And this was utmost freedom. We said America. And they looked at us completely blank and were like the United States. They had wow. no idea. Like it, it didn't even comprehend. And we were, we all looked at each other and just smiled. And I continued right. to just talk to them as a mom because I love learning mothering wisdom from around the world. I love it. Just watching, right. listening. And I said, you know, are you worried like about them? Like these, some of these kids were so little, like running across these slick pipes. And I'm like, and they kind of looked at me like, again, like in a sense of like, what are you talking about? And they're like, no, they're fine. They just, you know, it's like, it's like, there's no worry. It's like they trust fully in life. Right. They surrender, which we're all trying to do. But I just feel like in our Western world or in America, it's like, we're caught up. Be careful what, whether that's control or not. But it was like, they just trust. And it was such a mothering moment because I'm like, wow, they, they're so ha happy. Zero stress is in their body. And they're just letting their kids go. And they've never once told them to be careful or don't do that. Right. And these kids are physically strong and fit. And it just made me like just reflect a lot on, yeah, the heart of parenting. Well, and, and that's the other thing is, and I know, you know, I, and so I was not that, that parent. I used to let my kids like walk high on walls and people be like, they're going to fall. And I'm like, they're going to learn balance. No, this is where they're going to get confident. Uh, right. And I was yep. always that person. I was always like my kids, my daughter used to climb up this tree and my husband would be like, honey, if she falls, like she could die. And I'm like, that's not her past. She's not falling and dying. Like she's up there and she's getting confident that she's doing it. And he would be like, oh my gosh, always, you know, would always be in ours. I would let, you know, my kids, they rode bikes really young. They rode scooters in the city. They would fly down these hills and people would say, oh, my, why are you nervous? And I'm like, no, they know that they need to stop. Mm. Like, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to do that. And I still to this day, like even the way the crazy world is, I'm like, I'm not living in fear and I will never, and I've never been that type of person. And I really, as you said, those, those kids were learning something about themselves yep. that, that only they, they could learn. So that brings me to, so do you speak a number of different languages or did you have someone that was there helping you translate? No, no. We would have just always get the local book and no, you just realize, yeah. you know, I mean, honestly too, Julia, you realize, I mean, I speak Spanish, so I speak Spanish and English, but you know, there, there is a common language of smiling and laughing and hand yes. gestures that you can just get by. So even in the remote mountains of Laos and different places, it's like, you can still feel such a kindred connection as human beings by not speaking yes. the same language. I Love mean, it. this is what we realize. Like the world's not scary. The world is not scary. It is a no. beautiful place. Of course, there's negativity in any part of the world, but we are all, you know, it just brings you back to the essence. We're all born out of love. We all want love as parents, as friends. Like we just have different places that we're being raised and cultures yes. and right. Like, and I love that you just said that because that's so true. There is such a, like, if you're just communicating, like you can, and cause mm -hmm. that's going to hold people back. Like people are going to listen and be like, Oh, I couldn't do that. Cause I don't speak that language. And just as you said, and that's what I remember anytime, cause we love to travel. And so anytime we've been in places like my, my husband always chuckled at me, he's like, you always do the hand gestures and like, 
like, <laughs> try to, you think of like words that like bike and you do like you, you're like a mime and I'm like I know <laughs> but, like sometimes it works you know it's but true. it is it's true you can connect on that way so I just I, I'm in awe of really everything that you're just saying because it is just such a connection like I, as I said to you I literally almost started crying because I was like mm. oh, this is what I say all the time and we were That's put true. together from actually key socks Christy and Shelby said Juliet you have to interview Ellen because she is going to everything that you say is is like totally I'm, right up your world and Katie Dent, uh, Katie Dentmore who's in the audience she actually is an NFL spouse who was just on my show so Katie when wait, wait until you hear the Ellen story when you re-listen to this but I want to take you now so you you guys travel the world first yep. what was like if you can say and not your favorite because yeah. I don't want to say favorite because I don't yeah. like that word but what was an experience that like really sticks out of your mind and if you can kind of Say that as you talk about how many countries yep. you travel to and then how you ended up in Costa Rica. Well, so I actually have two two that come to mind right away. And the, I begin actually, the, the first travel memoir I just finished, it begins with this. Um, we we wanted to see the sea turtles. So like when the girls sold all their stuff in the house, we didn't even, had never even seen a sea turtle, Julia. <laughs> we left <laughs> Kentucky. But they wanted to put their money towards saving the sea turtles. So we were like, where is the best place in Southeast Asia? And so it was called the Sipadan. The Sipadan Islands, one of the greatest places in the world to dive. Um, we actually didn't dive at the time. Now we're divers. But we somehow conjured up these tickets. You usually have to plan a year in advance to get tickets because there's only 100 given a day for people to go dive or something like that. So we go to this hotel out in the South China Sea. Again, just Googling. Mom plans it. The girls are, Michael's like, where are you taking us now? Like, you know, trains, planes, automobiles to get there. Like, was such the journey to get there. And everybody was yelling at mom, like, why are we going? (laughs) So we get to this, um, this hotel in this little remote island. And the boat comes to take us to the Sipadan because it's an outpost island. And there's two guys with huge machine guns on this tiny little boat. And so we get on the boat and the girls are already like, my oldest is welled up with tears, like what's going on. So we start to go off into the ocean um, on the boat. And I looked at the driver and I'm like, why why are these guys here? Are you dropping them? And he's like, oh, no, these are heavily pirated waters. They they capture people like you. So it's a real thing. Like the girls are like real life pirates. Michael looked at me. I thought he was going to like he was so upset. I was like, nothing in any travel review said that these are pirated waters and we could get kidnapped. But I I say this because I say this, I I was just like, well, we just surrender. If it's meant to be that we get like, whatever. So we get to the Sipadan Island and we go off and it's the most incredible, untouched, alive ocean we've ever seen to this day. There was not just one sea turtle. There was hundreds of sea turtles. And I just like almost started crying under like as we were snorkeling because it was such the life wisdom to follow your intuition. I mean, that's how turtles navigate on their own across the oceans of the world through the internal navigation system of trust. And so it just made me, it was such a metaphor for the trip to like not plan so much, lead by your heart and trust and just go. Um, so that, oh, that was amazing. a really, that was probably a very scary moment for us. But I will say, fast forwarding, Vietnam was a country that was almost all of our favorite on the first year. Um, we 
all love Vietnam from the pho to the people to the landscapes. But I've I, heard that it's and, you know, I have to say I had a little bit of resistance going. I'm like, I wonder how we're going to be received as Americans. Right. Um, my parents had traveled there and, you know, they kind of said that, too. Like, so we we went and it was a mind blowing six weeks because I have never witnessed such a resilient, <laughs> compassionate and ever welcoming culture, like to the point where we're in, you know, um, Hanoi, and you know, you think about what these elders have been through, these little people selling their things on the streets and looking at us because they've lived through it. They've seen right. what the American War did, the Vietnam War, and they were so kind. And as we took different tours and talked to a lot of locals, the girls really learned the heart of what history was of the Vietnam War. We saw firsthand, we volunteered in an orphanage where kids are still affected by Agent Orange. They have no limbs. They have one eye. So right. you think about this whole compass of, you know, what we were trying to accomplish with the idea of schooling them through travel. And it was like, they totally get it. And they get it from a really real sense. Right. And they learned so much. Uh, well, uh, life. Yeah. That's the beautiful. And, you know, I have to say, so my dad was in Vietnam War. He was, he was wounded. Um, and not saying that, but that's, it's always like Vietnam. You think of, you think of the war. And so last yep. year or two years ago, whenever like, the pandemic, I, <laughs> it all comes yeah, to yeah. But as a family, we were going to Vietnam. We were going to Japan and Singapore for New Year's and Christmas. And obviously it got canceled. Oh. It got canceled and we never got to do it, but it's still, you we, my, we are, my husband said, he's like, we will still do it. So this year we were going to rebook it, but then it was like, you know what? I don't know if it's the smartest idea to rebook it this year. Let's wait one more year and then we will reevaluate it because my, you know, my oldest is 16, but um, that is a trip that we will definitely do. So I love that you just said oh, that because I can't wait to amazing. skip downstairs and tell my husband, yes. okay, you know, cause we were going to go to the beaches and we were, um, and I, I don't know off the top of head where he had looked, but he researched it all. He kind of does all of that stuff and loves, loves to travel. So I, I love those two things. And as you it's, said, that they learned right from their agent arms, a terrible thing that's really not talked about anymore, but it still yeah. affects. Of course. I mean, and so it was like, it was constant, like things like this. So we, we did those 10 months of travel. And when we landed back in Cincinnati, it was great to like see our community and family. But like, Juliet, we knew we didn't belong. Like we were like, right. you know, it's like once you grow outside the box, and we looked at each other. We're like, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, this is working. The girls are learning because as we heard people say, look how much they've learned. And we're like, I was like, let's go backpack all of South America and Latin America for a year. And let's have the one intention that they get fluent in Spanish. And that's kind of how we we went on the second year journey and the second leg, which, um, you know, which is funny because we ended up in Costa Rica where I never had any plans to come. When I was selling our house in Northern Kentucky, my dear friend at that time, Emily, she was so sad. She was so sad to see us go. But she's like, Ellen, you're going to live in Costa Rica. I know it. You're so proud of Vida. And I'm like, Emily, we have zero intention. We're not going to Costa Rica right. ever. Um, but let's backtrack even more. When I shared with you all about having three babies in that intense time, I will say it was a very intense time. And at one point I was, you know, having a little bit of a breakdown. My mom's like, you need to go see an astrologer. And I'm like, I don't need any astrologer. I'd never been. <laughs> And I went to the astrologer, and this is really funny because fast forward, 
she looked at me and she said, you know, do you know what Mercury in retrograde is? And I'm like, no. Oh She's like, goodness. where it's really chaos. She's Tortured. like, you're gonna, oh, wait. She said, you're going to be in this for about the next 10 years. Your chart shows <laughs> eight to 10 years. Wait, this is, no, this is serious. And I... She's like, and I tell you this, not to make you sad. She's like, but it's how we react to life and interact with it that can hurt you. So, right, like you could lose your business, you could get sick, you could have divorce, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, if it's chaotic, then how do we find the calm and the chaos? How do we interact with stress and not react so it hurts us? So it was right. the most beautiful wisdom because I always put that in the back of my head that, okay, life is crazy. How am I ever going to get out of this? The thing she said after that is she said, and I see you living on a beach and there's a jungle and I'm like Florida because we had lived there. And she's like, no, I'm like Hawaii. Like I would love to live in Hawaii. She's like, no, you're going to live near the equator. It's where the jungle meets the beach and you're going to know it's home. I know I get teary eyed actually oh my when God, you land totally. there. She's like, it might not be for years. And so think about this. 10 years forward, I sold everything as a family jumped out of mercury in retrograde and we traveled like that was the freedom and then when <gasps> i the moment insane. no it's insane the moment i ended up on this beach in osara costa rica i knew i was home you it, knew you were home <gasps> it, it's I, no it's like the craziest I, I i know it sounds so crazy but it's it doesn't and you know what's even more crazy you're gonna laugh so i have like a thousand shirts that say it's but it's mercury in retrograde because oh. mercury in retrograde <laughs> affects me like crazy yeah i can always tell when it's i'm like okay, I know what's happening. I am such a sensitive being and I never have seen an astrologist. I probably should. You should. I probably, <laughs> yeah. that, that I need, right. So I, if you can send me the person I that you sure went to. sure will. She's amazing. Please. Oh, Shelby's please. gone to her many a times. She's amazing. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. So I definitely need that because that's something I truly believe in. And it's like, it's a, it's a running joke. Cause my husband will be like, Oh, is it mercury? And I'm like, I don't know. I got to look as mercury. And retrograde <laughs> I, can, I can feel it. And I literally, my friends all give me shirts that say, because they'll hear, they're like, Wait. what are you talking about? So the fact that is you it, just also said that is funny. And isn't it funny for somebody to tell you that like, you're going to be in this for 10 years. <laughs> yes, and then I, I reflect really back was. and I'm like, I so was like, it was so fast and, but it was really nourishing at the same time as crazy. Um, but it's, it's, I say this cause it's when we trust and we open ourselves, life really is happening for us. If yes. we are aligned to our heart, like we have to all remember that it's not happening to us. Like, yes, nope. it can be terrible. It can be heartbreaking. It can be so sad. But I do believe every experience and everything we face is an opportunity to just keep evolving, 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 and growing outside of it's, those lines. Right? Yes, it's so, so true. So now how long have you been in Costa Rica? So we ended up here three years ago um, for a month immersion for the girls. Um, I told my husband, I was like, I don't really want to go to Costa Rica. He's like, it's a great school. Let's do our first month here and we can continue to travel for the year. And we landed in Osara, um, and it's a gorgeous place, of course, but it's such a like-minded vibe, just a very awake vibe. A lot of people have traveled the world, very thoughtful, just global thinkers. And we just, I, I have to be honest with you, I felt my people here. Like, I was like, oh, I'm not that weird person, like, <laughs> running yoga studios, doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, just the one that thinks right. different. So we kept traveling, and the girls... All they kept saying is that we want to live in Nosar. And we're like, really? And um, we ended up being able to come here and get a place. And um, fortunately, it's a place that rents a lot. So we were continuing to world school. It would rent for months at a time. And we just, you know, choose a new country. 
to kind of give the girls more stability as they were getting into the teen years. Um, right. So it's been a beautiful, I mean, grateful every day that spirit, you know, that God, we were definitely guided here, like hands down for sure. Right. Yeah. I love that. And it's such a beautiful story. And I know like we, cause I would love to talk more, but we're going to go because I actually have Penelope's parent teacher conference in 10 minutes. For sure. And I said to you, we're going to keep it an hour, but I definitely want to have you back on the show because I would love for you. I mean, I want you to touch because we still have like about five minutes. Touch on a couple of things that you're doing in Osara right now, like some of the, the, you know, the the beautiful... Thank you for that. Um, so one of the biggest things that just came through for me is, you know, having girls and just seeing um, what the, the girls need, especially is I just launched the Ohana Girls Project, which is a global movement where girls inspire girls and where women, women share their brilliance and wisdom with girls. So I just launched the first self-care course, which is think of it as a masterclass for teen girls of self-care and holistic living. So Nosara is a portal for all these amazing healers and women. So I have 16 master teachers guiding and filming courses that will be like an evergreen course for girls um, to touch them into their own self-care and holistic living. Beautiful. Um, and where can people find you? Because that's the other thing. And this will all be in the show notes. Yeah. So wherever you guys are listening, if you're listening in the car, please don't like <laughs> try to. Yeah. And I would love driving. anybody that wants to share in this. Like, again, I always just see myself as like the first portal, but it's about the collective. It's not about me. Like, I'm just, I love bringing people together in community to make a bigger impact on the world and really yes. to ignite change. Um, so if any women want to share anything. I want to launch on a boys project and bring together global men thought leaders for boys next year. Um, Because I just think it's about the collective and sharing this for the future generations, um, which is really exciting. And yeah, I mean, lots of other yeah. things going on in Nosara, but I'm always, no, but to, I'm yeah, the one but that sh- love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, share a little bit of it. Yeah, please. You know, I'm passionate. We're passionate about always giving back. So even in traveling, like it's not about taking, but it's about giving more than you take. And so here in Osaro, we're building gratitude homes for the community. There's a lot of people less fortunate and without living on dirt floors. So just, again, harnessing the collective to build homes for people in need. Um, Last year, we actually on Christmas last year, we witnessed a terrific drowning of a mother here. And there's no ocean safety Mm -hmm. in Osara. So I say this because through one of a very dark moment for our family and our community, out of this rose a lighthouse of Nosara Ocean Safety, which I started with a couple other people. So leading that here, and again, these are all just reflections that it's about the collective and that coming together to really make the world brighter and better, I think, I believe is my purpose. And I think we all have that purpose um, to share in it together. So these are just some of the initiatives that we're doing here in Nosara. Um, But the Ohana Girls Project is for the world. This is a global, global movement for teen girls. Um, So, And I would love, and I would love to talk to you about Mm -hmm. my workshop and doing all of that and just, you know, offering my time up for that. I would a hundred percent love that. So yeah, and we can talk offline about that, but let people know. So right now, if you guys are, you know, wherever you are, you can find Ellen at Journey of the Globe. That's her yep. Instagram. And then any other place, Ellen? Do, um, you, you know, it's journeyoftheglobe.com. Um, that's fun. There's videos and things on there. That's a whole other thing we didn't even get into that somebody traveled with us the whole time. <laughs> Ricky Willis. So there's some really great footage to learn through the world. And then the Ohana Girls Project.com. 
And there you'll see the first seed drop of the self-care course. Uh, Manduka Yoga has partnered with us in that. And yeah, it's an amazing, amazing thing if you have girls between teen years. It's beautiful. Which is which is so special, which is so special. So again, I think we need to have a part two. Okay, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I'm, not, and I'm not just saying that, I'm not kidding. Because I would love for you then, which will be really fun for people to hear all the stuff that you're doing mm-hmm. there as well. And hear like what inspired it and what, you know, mm-hmm. what, what we talked to. about. But, you know, this obviously this Ellen's journey and her experience kind of led up to this. So we really needed to dive into the beginning parts because I wanted everyone to hear, you know, from the beginning how it kind of evolved. So I just want to thank you again, Ellen Bradley. You're an amazing woman for joining YNS Live with Fireside. I mean, you have so much to share and so much, you know, special stuff and raising your three girls with your husband is, is it's fun that you gave us a little insight into that. So thank you again so much. Thank you, Juliet, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yes. And if you guys, I know sometimes we ask questions as well. There is, I, oh, I yeah. had so many, yeah, I had so many <laughs> questions. I was being selfish. I didn't want to, <laughs> um, but when Ellen comes back, we will definitely do that. But if you guys do have questions, feel free to either, you know, DM me or DM, uh, DM Ellen, and we can, we can talk about that and next time we will do it where it's more of a question and answer as well. We can bring some people on the stage and they can talk. So let's get our calendars back together and, um, Amazing. and do that. I love it. Yes. Okay. Until then, sending some Pura Vida love. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'm going to bring up uh, Mr. Music. Amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you, Ellen, so See much. Ya. See ya.